What is up, everybody? Welcome to the show. I see things a little differently. I am the slow chemical. And this is your Monday show. It's going to be a different type of Monday show. Like, so I thought it would be a normal Monday show. Um, and then I started looking at everything, and uh, I ended up getting notifications for, you know, hey, because um, as, as you guys will be hearing this, will be, I believe, Monday the 16th. I will have just gotten back from Detroit Motor City Comic Con, my first con of the year. Hope to see everyone out there. I hope I, had, I did see everyone out there by the time you guys hear this. I was looking at my plane tickets and everything, and I'm not going to get back home until, like, the plane lands at 9. I probably won't let get to my car until, like, 9.40. Probably won't get home until, like, 11 o'clock. And I was like, I could record the show in Detroit, then just upload. I'm not going to want to do any of that. I'm not going to do any of that. So I said, you know what? There's a topic that's been on my mind for, like, the last two, three months. Maybe even, I would say, three months. And I just haven't had time to talk it about it. And every time I write it down, like scratching it out, or I might touch on it here and there. There's been a lot of, um, first of all, before we even get into that, thank you to everyone who has supported Kill the Messenger, the, the, the unintentional album, I call it. Um, it the, 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 the video's rising. Uh, think about it. It's rising on, on YouTube. Um, I've just gotten tremendous feedback. I've even been told... Uh, that uh, someone did a review on it. I have not read this review, so I don't know what the fuck the review is, but uh, negative or positive, someone thought enough of this project to review it. Hopefully it's good. You know, good review, you know. Um, but I've gotten so much positive feedback from it. I cannot thank you guys enough. And that's why I did the in-depth behind-the-scenes on it, because I felt it was important um because it's the first time in my career i felt like wow this this needs to be heard you know i've always felt like being like a backseat person or whatever i don't know if that makes sense or not but either way i had to thank everyone for it so thank you so much also please uh subscribe like follow also uh keep giving I, 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 we can use more five star ratings four star whatever you want to rate rate it please rate us on spotify apple podcast reviews please look out for us programming note this Wednesday, we jump out of the comic verse uh, to back into the power verse. Uh, I did my I did watch the season one uh, season one of Power Book Four Force. It's the it's the uh, series that follows Tommy for the lead for the first time. Uh, I watched it and I gave my review of it maybe a couple maybe like three weeks ago now. I record as soon as I finished all ten episodes, I recorded I recorded it knowing that I was going to have this gap. As I'm still going to try, have to, I still have to figure out. How we're going to do, because I think Miss Marvel joins the MCU officially June 6th, and I think The Boys comes out uh, June 13th. What I'm thinking of doing is just reviewing Miss um, Marvel, and then I, I tend to like to binge watch The Boys, so I'm thinking I might just binge, because it was going to be like seven episodes again, I think I'm just going to binge watch that and then review it all at once. We'll see how it goes, because in the middle of all this, we have Love and Thunder from Thor. So I'll try to figure out the schedule there, but uh, I don't know as of right now, so we're going to have to figure that one out. But anyways, that will be this Wednesday, the following Wednesday. Um, I, I actually am going to review Winning Time. It's an HBO Max series that follows the, the start of the Lakers dynasty. A lot of controversy behind it. I'm actually going to probably record that while I'm in Detroit. 
and I'll upload that because I I don't have to upload that immediately because this uh, still be I'll be a full two weeks where I need to do anything, but that will be the next thing I review as well as I watch all ten episodes of that. So, anyways, let's get into today's episode. Today's episode, if you can tell from the title, it's Roman Reigns' time, and as his time is still, we were still in the, the midst of this run. I feel like a lot has been brought up of the Reign of Terror. I think it's more than one Reign of Terror, if we're being honest. But the knock on the Reign of Terror was the Reign of Terror was boring. Okay. But people will have uh, compared this run to that because who has benefited from this outside of Roman? Outside of the bloodline? Also, Vince finally got what he want, wanted with this. But did he really? We're going to get to that in a second. I think there was several reigns of terror. I'm doing air quotes there. You can't see me doing air quotes. I feel like Jeff Jarrett had his own at the beginning of TNA when he was the NWA champion. And he would lose it, get it back, lose it. Get, he, he, he's got to be over 10-time world champion now because of that reign of terror. I'm only saying reign of terror in the regards, because everyone's kind of describing, not everyone, but a lot of people are describing this to that. Hogan's four-year world championship reign uh, in the in the mid-80s. Do you say it's a reign of terror? If you're a big enough superstar to have that kind of run, you have to, uh, one, be over. Two, I think you have to, and in Jeff Jarrett's case, that's debatable with some people. I'm not going either way. But I think you have to be over, but I think also you have to, hmm, you've had to uh, really walk over everybody else. I'm not going to say Barry, but you you have to, to have the runs like that, you have to have the run you have to have, you have to walk over people. Now, when I say that, I it's a, it's, it's, it's such a unflattering thing. But what I mean, though, is, is that either you have those kind of major runs like that where you're running over everybody or you have the quiet CM Punk run. Where he wasn't going to have another run like that in WWE where he had the, the WWE title for, what, 435 days, whatever. I don't, I don't know the, the number off the top of my head, but it was over 400 days, which at that time was the longest reign in that period. Brock Lesnar... For every time you might say, hey, it was fun watching him throw around Daniel Bryan or AJ Styles, he had a reign of terror as well. Now, you can't say it was boring because they kept him on television most of the time. So, for him, it kept him fresh. It keeps him fresh. So, to me, I just want to take a look at some of these things and see where they compare and where they don't to myself. So, when Reigns first comes back, he interferes in the Braun Strowman fiend Universal Championship match. And immediately he's a heel. And I remember there was the last speculation he's not a heel. The way he came back, it was... I remember doing the podcast at the time, I, I believe. He was definitely a heel. He was like, you're, you're a monster without me. Blah, blah, blah. He was just talking trash. Then the reveal that following Friday of him with Paul Heyman. Then it's official. We, we go into the, the, the... Then I think I think Fiend had the title for seven days. And there was another pay-per-view the next week. And then he lost it to Reigns. And Fiend didn't take the pin. Strowman did. But uh, we he, he Reigns has not pinned, been pinned. He has not lost via pinfall 
since December of 2019 to Baron Corbin. And so, here's the thing. I don't want to put this. Here's the thing. It, it did elevate Jey Uso. Those two singles main event championship matches put Jay on another level. Because he, he needed to be on another level because he didn't have his brother. And and so that put his, his family up there, right? I would dare say no one's been elevated. Now, you could say, well, Cesaro got a main event out of it. That's very true. That's very true. I think, though, that was more to do with Cesaro being such a great talent and Brian Danielson fighting for him because he was in creative. But he didn't get elevated because he lost. And it was a one-and-done. Seth Rollins did more for Cesaro than Reigns did. Cesaro put him, uh, Rollins put him over at WrestleMania. Um, when you look at his 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 contenders, Kevin Owens had three straight championship matches. You know, Seth Rollins beat my DQ. He's beaten Lesnar twice now, two times in a row, vanquishing that um, demon of his past. I enjoy the Tribal Chief run personally. I remember this vividly from WrestleCon. A guy was standing in line. I think I was about to meet. Uh, I forgot his name. I <laughs> uh, forgot his name. But one of the New Japan wrestlers. I only met two of them. But I know Jay Whiteson. I can't remember the guy's name. Um, and I remember vividly. He was like, Vince finally got what he wanted. And he still keeps pushing fucking Roman Reigns. I can't watch WWE anymore. And maybe think about something. A few years ago. As Cena's run was really winding down. I remember, I don't remember the year. But I remember this when Cena's run was winding down. If you guys remember, his official f- final day as a full-time wrestler was at No Mercy in 2016 when he put Reigns over after completely destroying him on the mic, right? And it, it just wasn't a good look for Reigns, no matter what. And I remember vividly, there was a report that came out. I think it was The Observer or whoever. It doesn't matter. I don't give a fuck. And it said that Vince no longer wants one person being the star because once you make him, then they go. He needs multiple stars. And I remember this this whole report was verified by a number of different outlets. And I remember it was like, well, that's kind of smart, you know. Now, in fairness, and Jim Cornette said this in his uh, one of his shoot interviews with uh, John, uh, John Oliver. Listen to me. Sean Oliver. You know, I would love to have, I, I don't know how to get in contact with him. If, if someone knows, let hit me up. Uh, Remo Entertainment uh, or Remo Ian Two at Gmail dot com. Um, I would love to get him for an interview to see what motivated him to start those things. Because those things were some of the best, well thought out shoot interviews. I love just to pick his brain. Anyways, I remember vividly Jim Cornette saying the reason why the ad two gear got hot is because you never in the business had two megastars at one time. And I don't think that's going to ever happen again to have people. And if it does, I would be so happy for the business because the business will be even hotter. But to have the rock and Austin coming up at the same time and be just as hot. Yeah. Austin, Austin's heat was there first, but no one, I remember vividly watching survivor series, 98 deadly games. And the first time the rock came out, do you smell what the, the place where I remember saying to myself, damn, when did he get this hot? You know, he was just hated three months ago in that ladder match in Madison Square Garden. Now, they were cheering him, too. Like, they were into everything he was doing. It was a New York crowd. It, it, it was it, as, 
as the crowds were getting smarter, you start realizing the places you were at, right? And when I look back at that match, it's still probably one of the few ladder matches I can look back at and just know every spot for spot and still enjoy the fuck out of it. Is that one probably the the, the ladder match from uh, WrestleMania 2000 as well? But that that's my favorite ladder match, still so Triple H from The Rock, because it was so different for both of them. And Jr. just on the call, Helmsley just hit rock bottom from the Intercontinental Champion. Like he, it was just the, the stars in line. I remember watching Survivor Series night. I was at a friend's house, and I was like, "Yo, this is this is dope. Like, what? When did he get this hot? This is dope, though, right?" So I remember that, and you're not gonna have two mega stars like that ever again. Those two just exceeded everything. And then the roster that WWE had to lose, essentially what they did was they they were a football team. And for those of you who don't watch sports, I apologize for this analogy. They were a football team or a sports team that has the hottest player. Though. And so let's just say they did the quarterback. They had Steve Austin go down for a year. And then in 2000, they had the highest revenue they ever had, thanks to Rock and Triple H. I don't care what anyone says about Triple H, and I might be biased. I don't think I am, though. Triple H have always been the guy that worked with the guy. But Triple H and The Rock held that place to flow. That When Austin went down, they could have easily just went down in revenue and said, well, no, we don't have Austin. No, they got higher revenue in 2000 without Steve Austin and with Triple H and Rock holding the world championships for most of the year. I think Triple H went into the, the year as a champion. I think it was either him or Rock as champion up until... October that year when Kurt Angle finally defeated The Rock. Otherwise, it was just those two holding the world championship. Anyways, the point in all this is, it made sense why they would not want to just have, hey, let's not just have someone, one person, and we're beholden to that person. Because you see how Vince was so scared to turn Cena heel, he couldn't do it. Cena had new gear made, new music, and Vince couldn't do it. He couldn't leave his cash cow. No. And what Vince ended up doing, because he's obsessive, is make going back to the one thing he knows is tried and true of having one megastar. And and me I'm being nice by saying megastar, but he will be a megastar. I've said there will be a Hollywood reigns. I still believe that. I know his new deal is supposed to be for less dates and blah blah blah. I ain't talking about right now. This is gonna happen like the next two years though. Once this run is done, I could see him taking an extended period off. Just to rest. Because without him, these shows have been dull sometimes. And you know what? Who's going to benefit from this? Cody fucking Rhodes. Because he's already treated like a star. Mega star. When he gets that world championship, I hope his run is not a big E Jericho run. I hope it's a, a, a rain that, that... Or Kofi rain. I hope it's a good rain that he's challenged... He defends the title, but he feels like the world heavyweight champion. Anyways, I feel like they put themselves right back in the same position they didn't want to be in. They're beholden to one person. And that's their fault. They have record revenues. Everything. Which is good for them. I'm going to be a billionaire one day too. I put that on my mama. However, they went right back to all they know. Because Vince had to push Roman. He finally found a sweet spot. And that was because I believe this generation, in my opinion, is more vocal. 
like Hogan and them, I think were more vocal about money. They wanted their money, which I'm not going to knock either. I think this generation is more vocal about, no, I, I think I need to be healed. And I think they started with Austin. I think that started in 2001 with Austin, which he admits was a bad call. It was his call. He's never blamed anybody but himself for that. But I truly believe that's when it started, when people started saying, hey, I think I need to go heal. I, I, the top people that have to say in their, their work. But when we saying that, I want to look at the Reign of Terror. And with me being a huge, I've said this in the show just a few weeks ago after he retired. I said he's my top two. Or he's, he's number two. After his Jericho, Macho Man, then his Triple H. Yes, the Reign of Terror, I do think, was highly boring. I do think everyone was miscast during the Reign of Terror. I, and I think the Reign of Terror ended with so I would dare say the Ram Terror ended the night that WrestleMania 21 when Batista finally defeated Triple H and kept that world title off him I want to say for about four years he didn't have the title um that's my take on it I know everyone says 2003 to me with 2003 I think it was just evolution overkill and to me, I do think parts of that was because Evolution just came off as kind of boring to me. Um, you had a very green Batista, a very young Randy Orton. And I feel like, I'm not saying they didn't have good matches at the time. I, I didn't, I don't, I, I can't think of an Evolution match that was top notch. When they were together in full strength. I don't... I know you could say uh, WrestleMania 20 with The Rock. But it was always like 2 on 3. And it was always some extra shit like that. Well, I, that's what, that's, I'm talking about evolution matches. Not Obviously, when we're talking about evolution matches... Obviously, when we're talking about people in evolution. We're talking about the Randy Orton, Mick Foley match. Street fight. I'm talking about evolution as a whole, though. Like, so to me, I feel like... It's just tough to put myself in that position to say that it was enjoyable. Because I found it enjoyable once they started breaking apart. Like, to me, when Benoit got beat by Orton and they turned him face, I remember saying to myself, this is a bad idea. Randy Orton, now Randy Orton looks like a baby face, 100%. He's just loving life. But... Then he just, he was so caught. He just looked like, he just felt like a heel. It just felt like, it was like when TNA turned Jeff Hardy heel. It was like, okay, that's cool. Why? I'm, I'm just confused. Oh, for reasons? Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm cool with that. That, that, that's, we're going to go with that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So for me, it was, it was very boring. I agree with that. Also, it was some stuff that was disrespectful. Like, dude, like, that shit with him and Booker T was racist as fuck. I know they deny it. I know no one wants to be called a racist. I hear you. You know how you don't be called a racist? You don't do racist shit. That was very racist. I know Booker T's defendant. Booker T is very much, for as much as he's an open person, he's, a, he's still a company guy to an extent, too. You know, he's still, he's still, he's still a very happy being a part of the company. But that was racist. I don't care what anyone says. He knows it. Um, so in that regard, that was boring. When I look at 
let's look at Brock Lesnar's run. He was only able to, it, it was still born even with him being kept fresh only because I still think they missed on several opportunities. I think Samoa Joe should have been the one to defeat him for that at Great Balls of Fire. And supposedly, if you believe the newsletters, Paul Heyman was pitching that Samoa Joe be the one to defeat Brock Lesnar. But they wanted Roman to have his moment. But in the process of this, and I mean this word now, they buried two of their hottest talents. Seth Rollins and Braun Strowman were as hot as they were going to be. And, and when Braun won his world title from Goldberg, which was a throwaway title considering that it was supposed to be Reigns who, who defeated Goldberg. They cooled Braun Strowman. I, mean, I remember the the uh, this the the deflation. It was like Deflategate wrestling style. I remember when first of all the match was born between him and Brock Lesnar. Second, when the, when when Braun lost that match, I remember vividly hearing the crowd go, "Oh, I didn't see that coming either." And I wasn't even a Braun fan. Never been a Braun fan, but I didn't see that coming. I was like, "Oh, they actually." beat him what reasons super confused Steph they cooled him off too so to me when I when I look at the rosters it was definitely definitely a stronger roster in 2003 but I think the moments that needed to happen happened they clearly didn't want to put the world title on Booker T they put him in a spot though but Benoit that moment with Benoit had to happen Despite what you think about him now, they stopped moments from happening during that Brock Lesnar run out of pure stubbornness. And obviously, we're talking about Vince McMahon here. When I look at Jeff Jarrett's run, I feel like Jeff, being the owner of the company, had to pull the Verangagna. He had to say, hey, I got to make sure I could trust you, the second and third. I don't think he needed to get the world championship back as many times as he did. But I do think once he got bigger names in, like Christian Cage, like Kurt Angle, I think it helped. Then he said, okay, the company's going to be in good hands. We can move on now. Because I will say this. Once Kurt Angle got there, I don't think Jeff Jarrett won another world championship. I could be wrong. I'm not a super impact fan. But I'm not mistaken. I think once Kurt Angle got there, I believe Jeff never won the world championship again. And that name alone, Angle, ended up elevating Samoa Joe. You know, so I kind of understood more of Jeff Jarrett's role. He, it was just him and his dad's company. So he had to keep the world title on himself. And he had to be put in so many different positions because they could only trust themselves at that time. There weren't too many names that were still relevant. Yeah, you had uh, what Scott Hall and Kevin Nash come in, but they were past their prime. But, you know, when you have Samoa Joe coming in in his prime, when you have AJ Stubbs coming in to his prime, that's a whole different ballgame. So I, I understand Jeff Jarrett's more. When I look at Reigns, they haven't elevated anyone. But how can you elevate them when I don't think WWE knows how to elevate people anymore? When I say that, you have NXT 2.0, which is developmental and now officially canon, right, with everything. They are just there. They have a TV 14 program where they're telling people to dress sexy like their world women's world champion. 
kissing stuff, sexual stuff, kidnappings. They're having them go from a TV-14 product to a TV-PG product. They have them going from, hey, my dad's being kidnapped to, hey, you need to be on Monday Night Raw and you just need to smile. Just smile. Put a smile on that face. It's like, what, what are we doing here? It shouldn't it be reversed? I don't know how that happens. I don't know how even know how that works. The women that are dominating your division right now are some sexy ass women, and they and they're called toxic, like a fucking attraction. And then you want these other women to be reserved and role models and this that. And that. I'm just confused at what they're trying to get out of this though, and how they're trying to get out of this. Braun Breaker is not ready for Roman Reigns' position. No one's ready for Roman Reigns' position. And it was reported. I know I saw I saw several reports on this from Dave Meltzer, so it's kind of confusing. But Meltzer said the plan was to always have the six-man tag at Backlash. But he also said in that same report, or a different report, if I'm not mistaken, it was definitely one of the two. He said, there's also the reason why they held off on the match between Drew and Roman is because the fans don't care. Why would we care? Drew has... Drew has significantly cooled down. Hope they build him back up for that UK show. But like, he has significantly cooled down. Unfortunately, his best moment probably came during the pandemic, which fucking sucks. Because I was in the building at the Royal Rumble 2020 where he was hot and he was over. And when he kicked Brock Lesnar out of the, uh, the ring, I remember vividly the place going fucking nuts. So that sucks. However, um, for me personally, I feel like there's no one to elevate. No one cares about Dolph Ziggler. I like him. No one cares. You literally take your world champions and throw them back into tag teams. You have two former WWE champions in Big E and Kofi Kingston. You threw them right back into New Day. Speedy recovery to fucking Big E. I know he just reported that his uh, healing process is going slower, but my man, you're gonna you're gonna be just fine. You're gonna be back and better than ever. Who's there to elevate? Brock had a chance to elevate. So did Triple H. I think the reason why I find the Rand Terror to be so boring though is because it was clearly there to elevate Batista and Randy Orton, which is fine. They became superstars, Hall of Famers. However. It was only built to give them world championships, and they just so happened to have to pass the ball off to Chris Benoit in the middle. That's it. And Benoit and Goldberg. But tell me one person that Goldberg fought in his world championship matches that wasn't Triple H. Please? I dare you. Without using Wikipedia or Google. Or WWE.com. Or any site. So I understand the Jeff Jarrett Ram Terror much more than I do any other Ram Terror. Air quotes, no air quotes, you can see me doing air quotes. But this one, I don't think is boring though. To me, that's the difference. To me, when you have Reigns slated, and Reigns has a lot of power. When you have as we, as we wrap this up, when we have Reigns, who I think the only questionable challenger we had was Jay in the singles format. And those two worked just fine together. They had two great matches. Then after that, he went into matches with Kevin Owens, which were all great. 
Then he had that that, that classic triple threat match with Brian Danielson and Edge. Then he had a great singles match with, with, with Edge. There's been very few letdowns on that run. Definitely the main event for WrestleMania 38 was terrible. It was all awful. However, there is some fairness to compare these things. But I don't think this is as bad as the Reign of Terror. And I don't know where this is going to go and how this ends. But he will never have another run like this again. But I think we should enjoy it. Because once he's done with this reign, I truly think we have another year with him. Then he's going to be fully part-time. So... That is a show for this Monday. If you got, if you're mad that it's not a normal show, uh, well, okay, I guess. Um, but it's something I want to talk about. And look, we went almost 30 minutes, so um, that'd be hard to fit, fit into any show. But anyways, check us out this Wednesday. Power Book Four Force. Uh, the review, and then next week after that Wednesday, we 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 uh, we will be reviewing Winning Time. The rise of the Lakers dynasty. So I am the Soul Chemical. I hope you enjoyed your weekend. Hope you enjoy your week. Be safe. Be blessed. We are out.